Uh, I want to announce our speaker for tonight. Um, before he comes up, I have to give you a little background on him. He's actually born on an overseas Delta flight. He was born on an airplane. I don't know how many people you meet that have been born on an airplane. Not only was he a contestant on Legends of the Hidden Temple, he was also a contestant on Global Guts. Nickelodeon shows. When he was in junior high, he dated Annie Moore. When he was in high school, he played basketball against LeBron James. He got into college, he was on University of Virginia's undefeated lacrosse season, and also, last but not least, this is the guy that puts on Bobby Bowden's headset and then takes it off and hands it to Bobby Bowden. Um, he's also related to Thomas Jefferson and Francis Epps, who actually helped found this university. So ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Andrew Epps. Um, and kind of my journey with God. 
and uh, hopefully I can encourage some of you guys with it. Um, my road through college, obviously, in, in high school, growing up, uh, wasn't the easiest, but I grew up in a great family. I had two parents who were actually leading youth group. At the time when I was born, I was raised in a Christian home. Actually, it's really ironic we're in an Episcopalian church because this is, uh, I grew up in an Episcopalian church. Um, I kind of knew who God was, and, and you know, just from my parents kind of leading that youth group and um, going up through uh, just the church on Sunday kind of thing. But God really, for me, was never something that I looked at day to day. It was just kind of like a weekend deal, or when I hung out with my youth group, or when I hung out with the church. Um, so we go on a, later into middle school, and my dad started uh, volunteering at Young Life Camps in the summer as a, as a camp doctor. And um, so I started to get the gospel really clear. I started to really understand that, wow, this, this guy Jesus has gone to the cross to take away my sins. And I really started to understand the gospel for really the first time, very clearly. Um, and previous to that, I really had, had just some cloudiness there. Um, at the end of middle school, my parents, out of nowhere, got divorced. Didn't fight in front of me, didn't fight in front of my brother and sister. Um, really didn't see it coming. They were separated for eight months and then they were divorced. So I really began to question God. I'm like, where God are you in this situation? Are you in this situation? Are you real? Um, and I went into high school, and uh, like I told you, I played soccer in college. Well, I don't know if I told you, I played soccer in college. But in high school, I was, they always recruit the soccer players to be the kicker from the football team, because obviously they need a kicker. Um, and so I got involved in a Bible study with their football team in high school. And they talked one night about how the relationship with God is meant to be personal. It's meant to be something between just you and God. For me, up to that point, I had not, it had not been personal. My, my relationship with God was connected through my family and through my friends. And um, it, it never really took on something of meaning for me day to day. So that night, it was really just something. I got in my car and I was just like, God, I want to make this thing personal. Like, I really want to do this. And from that point, it really started to roll with me. God just started to, it was like a, a dam was, you know, holding up God from coming into my life. And, and, and one night, he just smashed that thing. And like, the water, I just, I mean, that's the, that's the vision he's given me. It's just that water just rushing in, um, into my life. Uh, I want to tell you tonight that God wants that personal relationship with each one of you. A lot of you may have heard that. A lot of you may have been coming to crusade for weeks, years, whatever, and you've been hearing that, but God really desires to be everything for you. Um, he desires to completely conceive you in a, in a good way. Um, and to have you want nothing but to be um, consumed by God. And He doesn't just want the Campus Crusade Tuesday night you. He wants the weekend you. He wants the classroom you. He wants the 24-7 you. Every thought, everything. Um, and I, one, of my, one of my favorite verses to really describe how God wants us to have this amazing life with Him is John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When I look at this verse, and some of you may have heard the second half of this verse a lot, because a lot of people use it. I look at this verse and I see two different choices of lifestyles. One, obviously, and, and obviously you see it and you say, man, I want to have, obviously I want to have a great life. Obviously I want to have that abundant life. But you got two choices. You got a, you got a life that's running from, from something that's trying to hunt after you and kill you. And that is, that's what this world is. Whether it's through 
you know, drugs, alcohol, sexual morality, whatever, it's coming after you in a way that's trying to get you down. Greed, anything. Um, but then the other one is God saying this abundant life. How do I get this abundant life? How do we really understand what abundant life is? Well, I feel this in, it, it's inside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I want to take, a, take us back. You can, you can take that down, Chris. Um, I want to take us back to the Old Testament. And I want to look at a guy named David, who, it's in 2 Samuel, has this, he's, he's the king of the land, and uh, everything is going great for David. But David's living, living a pretty crazy life. And uh, it was springtime in this story in 2 Samuel, and it talks about David going outside in the springtime. He is, he's, he's a king that really gets whatever he wants. And he's, he's walking outside, sees a woman bathing in the springtime. I guess it's, you know, hot outside. And he basically gets his entourage, his, his servants, whatever, saying, I want that woman. Basically, I want to be with that woman. So you guys go down here to bring her back. So he brings her back. Basically, they sleep together. This woman is married. She was married to a man called Uriah, who was actually out of town because he was fighting a battle for David's kingdom that he was a king and in control of. And so he sleeps with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, which I think it's ironic that he saw her taking a bath when he was Bathsheba. But um, anyways, so he gets Bathsheba pregnant. Now he's in a tough spot, okay? He's in a real tough spot because he's got, obviously, a few choices. Either he can come clean about this, or he's King Dave, and he can try to cover the thing up. Um, and I'm, I'm going to get to why I'm telling you guys this, this point, in the story, point of this story in a second. But basically, it parallels a lot with my life. And how I used to be, to be honest with you, I used to be a really sketchy dude. Especially when I was in college. Um, with, this, with the two options that David had, he really started to dive into... He started to dive into, let's try to cover this up. So first he's like, all right, I got to bring Uriah back home and make it look like he got her pregnant. So he calls Uriah back to the battlefield. Uriah comes back. He's like, Uriah, I want you to spend a nice night home. I want you to spend a nice night with your wife and just, y'all just chill and do whatever you do, husband and wife time, you know, a long time. And uh, so Uriah, he thinks Uriah's going to go off and do it. To his surprise, the next morning, Uriah comes back and he's like, yeah, I didn't sleep because how could I sleep in my comfortable house with my wife and my, and my soldiers, my fellow soldiers are out there on the battlefield and they're fighting and I'm, I'm coming home. How could you take me on leave like this? So he's like, you know, I'm not going to sleep inside my house. It's not going to do it. So David's like, crap, what do I got to do next? So he, chose, he chooses to get your eyes drunk. He said, I'm going to get him wasted. I'm just going to get him out of his mind. So he goes back and, you know, uh, does some stupid stuff. So anyways, that doesn't work. So the third option is David's like, I am going to take Uriah, I'm going to put him on the front of the battlefield, and I'm going to set him up just to be killed. So this all just goes away. So he sends him back. Sooner or later, he gets word back that Uriah was killed after he sent back, because he put him on the front lines, basically the infantry. And, uh, you know, that was a lot like me in college. I tried to cover up things a lot. I tried to lead a different life, especially with the opposite sex. Someone, I became someone different 
than my soccer teammates knew, than even my best friends in Christ knew. Um, when the sun went down, I was a completely different person. I sat in crusade just like y'all are sitting in crusade, and I was leading two different lives. I would come to crusade, I would get my Jesus fix for the week, I would, I, and I would have a real experience, but I was struggling on the inside with this second life, this double life. Um, let's see here. For some of you, that, that double life may not be sexual morality. It may be that you're mad, you're pissed at God, and you've got this resentment towards Him for something that went down in your past. Maybe you're really upset that you, your grandmother passed away you know, from cancer a couple years ago, and you just haven't let that go. Or you're really upset that, you know, uh, you know, that you can't have all the fulfillment you want sexually now as an individual. And you're think, thinking that God has all these rules and, man, this is just one part of my life that I'm not going to let him touch. And that's exactly what I did. I say, God, this is one part of my life I'm just not going to touch. And I was completely comfortable with God, with God just staying the heck out of my, you know, personal life as far as my sexuality goes. Um, but... Ben, who talked here a few weeks ago, um, I think at the beginning of the month, talked about how consistent compromise yields some results. And they're not good. And if you consistently compromise in these areas, you know, you're going to yield that at whatever time. And the, the more consistently we compromise, I feel like the more embarrassing it is when it's going to come out. I want to take a look at a couple verses about duplicity. And if you don't know what duplicity means, it's, it's about leading that double life. It's about being one person and then saying, you know, saying you're one person, living that, and then your, your other life, which is hidden, is, is a completely, completely the opposite. In Proverbs, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful, uh, the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And in Luke, it says, and this is, this is Jesus, it's commenting about Jesus saying, Jesus saw through their duplicity. And in, in Luke, in that story, it's, these people come up to Jesus and they think they got him. They think they tricked him by talking about money. And they're saying, you know, how, how, do we, you know, how do we know what's right to give back to the government? And they think they got him. And they're trying to trick him and say, you know, oh, we got you, Jesus. And, but he's like, whose who's face is on the coin? And they're like, well, it's Caesar's. And he's like, well, render Caesar with Caesar's. And so... God saw through these people trying to trick him with the money, but he also sees through our lives when we try to lead two different lives. And uh, so I'm going to go into a little bit more um, about that. So, sin deceives you. You think that sometimes you can hide your two different lives. And I thought I was, I was, I thought I was king of that. I thought I was king of just living this one life this, this Christian guy out front, but with girls, it just it was something I could keep really under the sheets. I didn't have to tell people about it. I didn't have to come clean about it. But God was knocking on my heart in some way. And um, for me, that all culminated to a really big point uh, the year after I graduated college. And I was sitting with a girl in my apartment with her on the university health on the phone with the University Health Center, encouraging her to take the morning after pill. That's how far it had gone for me and my consistent compromise. Um, and I say that, not ashamed of that. I mean, I, 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 I do regret it, and I, I'm not condoning that whatsoever, but I know by the grace of Jesus that I'm forgiven for that. 
And I know that God is waiting for you to come to Him with areas that you struggle with, areas where you feel like, oh my gosh, nobody in the world knows about this except me. And yeah, I know God knows, but there's still a part of me, and there's still a part of me in the past that still thought it was secret. I still thought that even it was hidden from God. It doesn't matter how small you are, or even how small in your faith you are. There's stuff in the life you've got to get out. God gives you the strength to just chuck that thing and just, just get it out of your life. And that's really what it took for me. It took for me an aggressive approach to just say, God, I'm going to honor you with my body. It's your temple. It's not mine. I'm going to honor you with it. And I'm just going to heave all the things that get me down, all the, all the, all the, the walks of shame that I took, because the Lord knows I took a lot of them. And God just wants you to heave it. He wants you to, that sin is just going to tangle you. And, you, and eventually, <coughs> whether you agree with me or not, whether you agree with me or not, this is something you should honor God with. It also says in His Word, you're going to reap what you sow. And so, sowing good seeds and sowing faithfulness to God and sowing obedience to Him is going to yield a crop that really you can't imagine. Uh, in college, I had this French class that was the death of me. Um, this French class, actually, I, I don't know, it was honestly a miracle about how I tested out a 100 level coming into college. I mean, it was, a, it was a multiple choice language test, which I think is ridiculous. But um, it got me through 100 level, praise the Lord. So I went into 200 level. Our teacher had these quizzes for us that uh, they were conversational quizzes. She would call two people randomly, like, you know, you and you. And the, the, like, the, the previous class before, she'd say, okay, we're going to have a conversational quiz next week about what you did over the weekend or what you did this summer. So she'd call two people up. Two people would have to come to the front. And they have to speak for just like five minutes. Just in French to each other. And no, I'm not going to speak French because I retained about 1% of it. But um, anyways, I, I got up for these tests and these quizzes. And somehow over the weekend or somehow in between class, every time I just got this like confidence, like fake confidence that I knew I could pass this thing. That I knew I could get through this thing. So I didn't study. You know, I, I, I went up there and I said, I'm going to memorize just a couple sentences and hopefully they'll get me through. But the hard thing is, especially in a foreign language, if someone's really good at it, say the person you're talking with, you know, and you don't understand what they just asked you, if they said, yeah, I got some pizza this weekend, and you thought they said, you know, I went and played golf this weekend, and then you comment about that, you know, and it's the opposite thing, you're, you're in deep trouble. I feel like... I wasn't, in, with my life and with the, uh, with the plan to succeed that I really needed, coming out of throwing off that which hindered me, I didn't have that plan to succeed. I wasn't, like, in God's word about what I was struggling with. And I feel like, just as I needed to be prepared for that French class, you needed to be prepared for the, channel, the challenges and the temptations and the tests that you're going to face with Christ. We need to be in our word. We need to be plugging into community groups. I think this is something that is amazing about Crusade. You guys have these community groups. You have Bible studies in your church. Maybe you have a prayer time on land. It's like at the beginning of the year. These are things that you guys can get involved with and start building that godly momentum in your heart to obey Him. Because it's hard, especially when you come out of making a huge decision to follow God, especially in an area where you struggle or where you have struggled. Um, one of the things I want to close with is but in nowhere in Scripture does it talk about someone cleaning themselves up before they come to God. Nowhere. 
God wants you as you are. And whether right now you're just like, crap, God's speaking right to my heart in the duplicity that I've been walking in, in that double life that I've been living. He wants you as you are. He wants that conversation with you right now, the one that's beginning to stir in your heart, the one that's going to happen when you get back to your apartment or your dorm room tonight. Like, He wants you just to be talking with Him. And really, that's where the sin, I think, deceives you the most. You think that, yeah, I guess my sin, you know, hurt some girls in the past, or, but really out of that, not many people knew about it. But really, the person that hurt the most was me. The person that it hurt the most was what was going on in my heart. And um, I want to uh, just tell you tonight that, that God wants you guys right where you are. That He wants you right now. He wants you October 21st, 2008. And I don't care if you've been coming to Crusade for two years or this is your first time. He wants you right now. And honestly, there's no better time to start that walk with Christ. To start a, a deeper relationship with Him. And that one that's free of that stuff that holds you down. Um, I'm going to close with this. I was in reading Runner's World, and I don't know how I got a free subscription, but my, it just came in the mail one day to my dad, and he sent it down to me. And Adidas, I know, I know we're a Nike school, so bear with me for a second because it's an Adidas commercial. But um, it says, the title of the whole ad is, Things You'll Notice When You Don't Notice Your Running Shoes. And I know some of you guys maybe run, some of you guys uh, maybe play sports. And so here we go. It says, things you'll notice, you'll notice. You'll notice summer turning into autumn, autumn turning into winter, winter turning into spring. And before you'll know it, you'll notice it's summer once again. You'll notice your breathing, you'll feel it. You'll feel when you're breathing really easily, effortlessly, when you can hold a conversation and when you can't. You'll notice that you're more in tune with your body. Running starts to feel right. You're running faster, further. You'll realize that faster is good. You'll realize that you're doing long runs. You never used to do long runs. You never used to do short runs. You never used to run. You'll notice how you feel like a new version of you. And for the first time, you'll notice that you're truly capable of a lot more than you ever have imagined possible. You'll experience how running is meant to feel and how that will feel pretty darn good. And there's a little bit more to the ad, but I just thought that was a perfect picture of what it's like to put on Christ. To put on the fresh kicks of Christ. Like, I just, I see that, and, and you guys know, maybe it takes you a couple times of, of, of running in those new shoes to really get that groove, but when you start, honestly, the ad is so true. When you have some shoes, you can run with, you're so in tune with what's around you. And I know a lot of you guys have been running in some pretty old shoes, spiritually. And you've been running in the same shoes you've run in even, even before you were a Christian. And I challenge you tonight to really put on that mind of Christ, to put on those new kicks in Christ, and really be renewed in Him. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I just thank you, God, for this night, for each person in here, God. I thank you for their hearts, Jesus. I pray, God, that you take away the lukewarmness of our hearts. God, help us be passionate about you. 
Help us to throw off the things that hinder us captive and that sin that so easily entangles us. Help us to have real conversation with you tonight, Jesus, just about where we are. Just about the stuff, Father, that we can throw off. And God, help us to run with you in the mind of Christ, God. Help us to understand what that means. And just be bold for you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.